Hello, welcome to another episode of I Love Rock and Roll. I'm Ken Krantz. Yes, you are. Um. <laughs> Love who I am, Ken. It's Chip Chantry. That's right. Hi, Ken. Hi. How are you? I feel like I haven't seen oh, good. you. Good. I'm ready. I know. I'm. I'm excited. This. I'm. I'm ready to talk. Uh, let's talk music. Yeah. We are and crime. Yes, we're at uh, this is it was originally supposed to be true crime month, but August got away from us a little bit. So this is part four of our four part true crime series. And we have a guest with us today, uh, a, a brilliantly funny stand up comedian, uh, personally, one of my favorite comics to watch. Um, amazing writer. Uh, welcome, Dave Temple, to the show. Dave, thanks hey, for uh, coming on, on, man. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me, man. Thanks for you guys' kind words, too. Yeah. Rock well, I, and roll. Oh, all right. Uh, I'm, it, I'm it, dipping it, my off. toe. I'm dipping my toe. Yes, good. That's good. Uh, uh, let's let's do this. Let's make it happen, Ken. Right. So, what, what are we talking about this week? We are uh, discussing the death of Marvin Gaye. Which I think every I think most people know he he was uh, shot and killed by his dad, um, which I think is is going a, a bit too far. But um, <laughs> uh, I I I don't know how many people really know the backstory behind it. So we we started digging into it, and it's it's pretty wild. Okay, yeah, I don't I don't know the backstory. No, were were you? Uh, were you like a Motown dude growing up? Um, like I was aware of it. It was there. Like it's not like I didn't know about it, but it's no one really sat me down to explain it to me. Mm -hmm. It was just there in the background. Uh, I did go to Detroit and visit Motown and kind of get caught up and acclimated with a lot of the sounds of my childhood that I kind of heard growing up. Yeah. Oh, tell us about tell how how was that? How was that visit? Eye opening. Yeah. Uh, you know, cause you see what's capable. Cause you know, I mean, Motown literally, it was a, a house, you know, a studio in a basement with an apartment upstairs, uh, and right down the street from Northwestern high school where they were plucking most of their talent. You know what I mean? Uh, so to learn that like, you know, little Stevie wonder and the Supremes and all of these people were fresh off the streets of Detroit plucked out of high school that he would force them to go through like an hour and a half to two hours of etiquette training before they could even get into the studio, which that to me, I was like, wow, why, why is that something that we don't do anymore? You know what I mean? Just like these are kids from the hood. So he knew like, I need to teach them how to speak, just how to sit up straight. You know what I mean? Like, and uh, he did all of that and changed all of those people's lives. Like, so that dude, he really has some serious vision. You know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I should have done that with Ken before we started this podcast. <laughs> That would have been uh <laughs> would have made things a lot. They never would have taught me to sit up straight. It wouldn't have worked. I'm, yeah, un no, I'm unfinished, true, Chip. Just accept me for who I am, goddammit. All right. So um a little bit of backstory into the murder. What when did it take place? Was it 1983 or 1984, Chip? 84. It was April Fool's Day. Uh, April 1st, 1984 is when it happened one day before his 45th birthday. So he would have uh, Marvin Gaye would have turned 45 on 
April 4th, 1984, and it happened that happened the day before. Right. Wow. Yeah. And there's um, the history between Marvin Gaye and his father is it's a long, violent one. And oh, it's that about a lot of party surprise parties. Being- <laughs> <laughs> I was reading. So Marvin Gaye's dad grew up. He was like one of 13 kids and his dad would kick the shit out of him. And then he in turn, I think it was like. You know, and it's like my great grandfather was a fisherman and my grand and his father after him was a fisherman. It was like the same thing, but just with kicking the shit out of your kids. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he was he was also a and I forget it was it Seventh Day Adventist minister. And he took that obviously very seriously. And that was, uh, you know, kind of always in the house and like, you know, it was it was religion first with that. And that and the, you, you hear you hear Marvin Gaye's brothers and sisters talking and like how you know they almost looked at the dad like he was god's right hand like it was his way of the highway that's all you did and like he was extremely strict because it was like i guess seventh day like you couldn't do anything on saturdays except you know it was like they observed the sabbath so it was like you couldn't do anything except for that so like marvin wasn't allowed to play sports if it you know if there was a game on saturday he wasn't allowed to play and it just it really came down from you know from, from the dad that way yeah, they, they said that his dad, uh, Marvin Gaye Sr., would would beat him for anything. Like, if he came home from school a minute late, he would he would catch a beating. If um, Yeah, but you said Marvin was also child number 13? The father was one of 13, Mar- Marvin, Gaye, oh, okay. Marvin Gaye Sr. I think and Marvin then, was, was the second of four, I want to yeah, say. Yes. Yeah. He, he was, okay. He, Go ahead. I mean, I don't know if you guys have kids or that, but once once it's beyond three, we're done talking. It's just a lot of hitting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't have time. It's, it's a time saving technique. That's all it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, but also, Marvin Gaye Senior. He was he was a weird. There was a lot of shit going on there because he was super super religious, and also um, a drunk. And also a cross-dresser. Yeah, which, so there's a little bit of everything coming from the dad. Yeah. Which yeah, I, I, but so far, which, that's pretty normal. What's strange about that trio? <laughs> <laughs> they said they said Marvin uh, Marvin Gaye, uh, the, the junior, would like it. He, he, he caught him dressing up in his mom's clothes when he was like six or seven. But I couldn't figure out like they didn't. I couldn't find anything that that um, suggested that the father was gay. Uh, But um, into cross-dressing and uh, that's got to be tough catching a beating from your dad, like while he's wearing your mom's bathrobe, you know. No, <laughs> yeah, because it's the, it's the essence of mom, you know, it's still her scent, her perfume. <laughs> um, what if he was just doing that like in the dark, just to try to try to lay the blame on the mom? Like, dad, you hit me last night. I'd be like, that was mom. That's all that was. <laughs> you saw it wrong. <laughs> um, so there, Marvin even says, uh, um, 
in an interview that that he'd gotten beaten so much as a kid that he was that if it wasn't for the love of his mother, who he was very close with, he, he would have been one of those kids that committed suicide at a young age. Um, so, yeah, so him and his dad don't get along great. In fact, at one point, he Marvin Gaye leaves the house to go into the Air Force. Like, think about, like, he, he was so sick of, uh, like, the authority figure at home that he thought the military would be a nice break. I'm hearing you now. I don't want to go right into defense mode, but, I mean, not to call him a drama queen, but, I mean, he can <laughs> sing pretty convincingly, you know? Like, he's able to turn it on when he needs to. So, let's hear this all out. <laughs> Well, his his dad and him. So when he so Marvin Gaye is like this. Uh, I, I think the father was a passable musician. They said he, he could kind of play some instruments by ear and he taught Marvin how to play the piano. That was like the only bonding, the only real bonding they ever did in their life. And then um, once Marvin started uh, doing music, his his dad hated the kind of music that he did because it wasn't religious music. So like when Marvin was cranking out all those Motown hits, his dad thought he was singing the devil's music, which is hilarious oh. to me that he thinks it's the devil's music and Marvin's in the studio like, how sweet it is to be loved by you. And his dad's Satan. like, get this demon out of my child. I just I if I ever die and go to hell, like how funny would it be if you get down there and like the first thing you see is just like three guys in Letterman jackets singing Mr. Sandman. And you're like, shit, I should have known. I should have known. <laughs> yeah, because those songs were all euphemisms, right? Yep, for oh, like for sex, you think? Yeah, like I, I mean, like that was the final edit. Well, you know, his dad is hearing him in the basement, you know, cutting like these records. And, and I'm sure he's giving them the they have to convert love from fucked. You know what I mean? Right. Mm -hmm. So so his dad was hearing the devil's version at home. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm still on the dad's side. Just as a father, just no. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I think we've. Me yeah. Ken, you and I have some work to do in the next <laughs> next few minutes. Thanks. It's a very so. tenuous couple of. Uh, uh, next half hour or so that's going to be uh, we, we, we have some heavy lifting right now, Ken. So um, so Marvin. So now uh, we're towards like the end of, of Marvin's life. So it's, it's 1983, 1984. And yep. um, Marvin's in trouble with the government. He owes a shitload of back taxes and he's got. Uh, one hell of a cocaine addiction. He's he's freebasing. Um, he's living in the house that he bought his parents. Which, which, first of all, you would have thought like I was just so disappointed in hearing that Marvin Gaye was a very famous, very rich musician in Los Angeles in the 1970s. Yes. You think he would have been able to avoid drugs? That's all I'm saying. <laughs> if there's one place that 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 one community that that drugs did not really touch musicians in Los Angeles in the 1970s. Yeah, it's it's hard to believe. Mm -hmm. um, but it's also weird that like 
His dad hated his music and was such a, a dickhead to him, but still took everything that Marvin gave him. You know, mm. you know, so he's like, oh, the devil's music. But it's like, all right, well, here's the house that I heard it through the grapevine bought you. Do you want it? And his dad was yeah. like, yeah, yeah, I want. Oh, the devil got me a car. I'll <laughs> take it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it sounds like Marvin went through these periods where he, he wouldn't talk to his dad for years and wanted nothing to do with him. And then he would go full tilt into like wanting to impress him and wanting to make him proud. And it, it doesn't seem like anything ever worked. Like he was just. Yeah. And there was resentment both ways because there was that. That, you know, that love triangle that you hear about, about like the abuse of dad, the mother who let's call her coddling mother who like doted on Marvin, you know, to, to make up for the dad. Right. And then the dad being jealous of not only Marvin's relationship with his mother, but then also all of his success, even just like his talent. And then the money that's coming in and, you know, he didn't he didn't have that success. There wasn't money in the house. The mom was pretty much the breadwinner because the dad couldn't he couldn't really hold down a job besides preaching because he wasn't able to work on. He refused to work on Saturdays because of his religion. And it was usually like a six day work week back then. So like right. he didn't really work that much. So he wasn't the breadwinner. And then all of a sudden this kid that he always sort of resented is now making all this extra money. So he's just jealous and resentful of all of that. Yeah, man, this is a huge fuck. My wife was right. You know what I mean? Like if mm -hmm. you wanted to get rid of this baby and she's like, no, 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 trust me. He's special. And it's like, fuck, he's right. <laughs> they said, they said that the father um, got fired from the post office for not working Saturdays, which I thought was funny. Cause it's like everyone like Sundays, your day that like you have to work on Saturday at the post office. That's their thing. Mm, yeah. yeah yeah seventh day Adventist and jehovah's witness they're like that weird thing where they're just like it's gotta be saturday yeah right fuck wouldn't you like i would if i was in charge of that i would have been like why everybody take monday off Dude, i dated a girl uh who was seventh day Adventist, and she just didn't follow it you know like she she talked about it but she wasn't that committed yeah I don't know any. I don't know any Seventh Day Adventists that are that committed. Like not anymore. I don't hear about it as much. Yeah, I didn't. I honestly, I didn't even know what it was until I started researching this dude. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know what the Jew equivalent of Seven Day Adventist is, but well, I'm, because they said the, the one podcast I was listening to, they were comparing it. It was like a cross. I don't know if they said cross between Pentecostal and Judaism. So it's like kind of has its toe in both. Uh, yeah, but yeah. it it caters to low income people also. Like I've noticed that okay. uh, it's very yeah, it's it's only really in low income neighborhoods. Okay, and and that was a thing too that his dad would always bring up, whether it was just an excuse or that's he's he's like I'm a minister. I basically vowed a life of poverty. Like this is what I'm supposed to do. Like I'm not supposed to have these things. And then Correct. becomes resentful of all the money that Marvin starts to make. But does, but doesn't turn any of it down. Like has no problem. No. <laughs> right. Has right. no problem taking you. Here's how I know this dude was a fucking bad dude. It's I Chip, you and I watched that same interview, that that same documentary, the final 24 yep. on, on him. And every so uh, he, this dude died back in the 90s. 
And everybody that's interviewed still calls him father. Like even, I feel like if you call your dad father, your dad probably whips your ass a whole lot. Right. Oh, yeah. And yeah. And the fact that he's, you know, dead for 20 years at the time of these interviews and they're all still calling him father, even even um, the brother's wife, like the dude's daughter-in-law called him yep. father. Even she wasn't fucking around. Like they're almost still scared of him somehow. Yeah. And and they kept bringing up, and I heard this in a couple of different interviews where, like, the dad's famous line, he apparently would say all the time, is, uh, which I believe is also a, a Roseanne Barr line. Uh, if, if I don't know if he stole from her, she stole from him, but it was the old line of, I brought you into this world, I will take you out of this world. Like, that was his MO, and he would say that all the time to these kids and, like, you know, beat them and stuff like that. It's like, look, I'm, I brought you in, I can take you out, and, of course, he, he made good on it eventually. Spoiler I, alert. Which did impress me as a kid who heard that a lot <laughs> yeah. and still alive. Mm -hmm. To hear someone actually follow through with it, I'm like, okay, <laughs> finally. Yeah. It's not even about wanting someone. It's just like, you don't know what it's like to hear that threat your entire life. And it's just like, oh, fucking kill me already. <laughs> Um, I think that was actually was it Roseanne or was it Bill Cosby? I always thought that was an old Bill Cosby line. Oh, you know, maybe it was Bill Cosby. Maybe it was worst wrong, sit more wrong sense. 80s a, sitcom. Yeah. Yeah. Worst America's dad, Bill Cosby or Marvin Gaye Sr. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bill Cosby did not. Uh, well, no, shoot. Bill Cosby actually has buried two children. How many has uh, oh, Marvin, Marvin Gaye Sr. Yeah, just one. Just the one. To be fair, he oh, had four. <laughs> Nobody talks about the 75% of his kids Marvin Gaye Sr. didn't kill. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's not a bad batting average. No. Yeah. Yeah. And we got to get more into this because it sounds to me like he might have been doing the Lord's work when he took out Marvin. I, I need to know what else happened leading up to it. But All right, we still got to dig in. We got to dig in with our case, Ken. That's what it is. We got to convince him. So, yeah. so, so Marvin Gaye finishes uh, his his last tour, which um, I think was probably like the, like the sexual healing tour. Yeah. And um, he is and, like, and, to, and to kind of go back just just real briefly, we don't want to, yeah. we want to kind of focus on the actual day of you could definitely tell like Marvin Gaye was that kid who was, you know, abused, but also like so regimented growing up like the dad ran everything that, you know, he, of course, he ran off to the, the military to try to seek that he uh, ended up. What did he say? He did. He did. He fake a nervous breakdown to get out of the, the military. The mil uh, yeah. Yeah, because he was like, I'm, I, I can't deal with this. And he was so structured growing up that once he was sort of set free, it was like he just spent money like crazy and I think just kind of couldn't really focus. And I, I, I think you see that a lot with kids who are like so overly protected. And then it's like you set them off to college and they're just they'd go nuts. You know, that, that kind of sounded like what Marvin went through as he's going through. And then even just like seeking his other wives, like his wives, like when he, he, he married Anna Gordy, Barry Gordy's sister, who is almost his mom's age, right? which, so do some psychological math there, you know, like a mother figure, he, they end up getting divorced and he finds, so like, he's like early twenties, she's late thirties. They're like 20 years, almost difference. They're together for a while. He, he then gets 
shacks up with a gal who's he's like 34 and she's like 16. Yes, I think. He, he, so ma- like, yeah, he marries his second wife when she's 17. Yeah. So like never exactly age appropriate, you know, uh, wives and just like his spending and then get, you know, of course, gets into drugs. And I, I think that's the issue, which I didn't realize. I mean, he's so brilliant. And, you know, he, he, you know, did so many great things in the 60s. I mean, puts out what's going on, which is just, you know, it's a masterpiece. What's better, what's better than that? Which, by the way, Barry Gordy didn't like like he was like this is not motown this is too political we're just about having a good time kind of thing and was like thumbs down what's going on we're not releasing it like i know hindsight is 2020 but how can you listen to the first track of what's going on yeah. and be like nah <laughs> yeah he um well it's it's very go- well, it's probably because of who it was coming from yeah you know what i mean like yeah. you ever hear you that's like when people are out there marching black lives matter yes but coming from you Adam. <laughs> yeah. let's get pat boone on this let's see what he can do <laughs> yeah and i'm just saying i don't know whether marvin was fucking the 40 year old or the 16 year old at the time but i'm pretty sure barry was done with his uh his political opinions based on his personal life <laughs> right right well it also reminds me of like almost comedy a little bit like you know how like um like network executives just don't know anything about comedy. It's like Marvin Gaye recorded, uh, I heard it through the grapevine and Barry Gordy heard it and was like, look, this is good, but I I don't, there's nothing we could do with it. Like this doesn't sound like a Motown song and they wouldn't release it. So then Gladys Knight and the Pips released it. And then everybody liked that version. So then Barry was like, all right, you can release your version. Marvin Gaye releases it and it becomes Motown's best selling single ever. It sells four million copies. So right there. And then and then he hires the Raisins to do it a bunch of years later. And it becomes (laughs) a huge hit. Those guys just really. Which if you think about it, that the California Raisins, I heard it for the grapevine. Did we talk about this before? That was two years after. Marvin Gaye died. So it's not like it's like 20 years. I mean, it's like 20 years after the song came out, but it's like two years after Marvin Gaye died. Like that's like, that's, that's, that's like a bunch of walnuts doing rough riders today. You know, like, (laughs) Like, that's not cool. A bu- like a bunch of the like, Oklahoma like a, walnuts. A, yeah, like a like a bunch of tangerines singing free falling. You're like, give it some time. Give it some time. Come on. Um so then so then he he He's got all this success with I heard that he the numbers are through the roof. So now he's got they're they're like, okay, you can make the album you want. And the album he wants to make is what's going on, which was if you don't know what it is, it's just um it it tackled all the social issues in America and the Vietnam War at the time, and it's it's hailed as uh, you know, an absolute masterpiece. And it solved all these problems because we don't have any of them today. Yeah. Yeah, right. there's there's no, no homelessness, no racism. I think everybody would agree with that. Right. And uh, look, we're not we're not pulling out of unwinnable wars. Um, exactly. But then Barry Gordy hears that and he's like, yeah, I don't think so. You know, like even then he, he's got to fight. It just reminded me of like what what comedians go through to to get shit out there. Yeah. Um. So 
fast forward to the 80s and his career it's like he, he he's he's had a few you know he disappears and then he comes back sexual healing was a huge hit he was living in hawaii out of a van for a while he was literally living in a van in hawaii on the beach just like you know to, you know totally strung out for a while comes back does that tour and then is in bad shape and then moves back in with his parents in la which is you know the house that he built but he or you know bought but he uh he moves back in with the parents probably not a great idea right yeah especially like if you're gonna be they they said like he would have all of his coke buddies over and they would have free base parties in, like in his parents house uh which i i guess is weird you know like if you're you think you'd you, like okay i'll buy my parents a house and then i'll I'll live in a Coke apartment or you like, or I'll have a separate apart, you know, like I'll even, I'll live with my parents, but when I'm ready to freebase, I'll go down the street. He, he was just having like random hangers on and, and drug buddies showing up while, while his parent, and they would just like go lock themselves in a room and freebase while his parents, he, he bought his brother, Frankie, the house next door. You think he would just walk over to his brother's house to do drugs. Right. But the tax man, so he's in a lot of tax trouble and the tax man is starting to, they're starting to repossess a lot of his shit and he's losing homes and shit's getting foreclosed on and he is, he's in bad shape. He's very paranoid. Um, He's convinced somebody is coming to kill him. And he starts stocking up on guns. Um, for Christmas, uh, the Christmas, uh, of 1984, um, he buys his dad an unregistered gun and gives it to him as a gift. He gives his dad the murder weapon for Mm. Christmas. He's like, Merry Christmas. You may need this in a couple months to kill me. (laughs) That is, uh, I wonder whether that was given in front of the family or do you at least take him into another room and go, Merry Christmas, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was, it was like, uh, at the end of a Christmas story where, where he's just like, what's that behind the sofa? You know, <laughs> <laughs> I always wanted one of these, but I couldn't cause I was a seventh day Adventist. <laughs> Uh, You'll shoot your son out. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, March 31st, 1984, uh, Marvin Gaye Sr. gets into a fight with his wife over some missing insurance papers. Mm -hmm. And it's a very loud argument. And, um, Marvin comes down to, you know, to try and make peace with it. And he's yelling at his dad to leave his mom alone. And his dad's pretty salty over this missing insurance document. Uh, And then that's March 31st. So then the next morning, um, Chip, did you see this in the the father was mad because. um, Yes. The 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 daughter in law, the the wife of uh, Marvin's brother who lived next door. And if you want to picture this, this is the, yeah, this is the sister in law. And she's just this I'm assuming Irish or Scottish lady. Yeah. 
Yeah. So just like she's got this Scottish brogue or this Irish. I don't know. I don't know what it is. But uh, yeah, very interesting. She brings the mom breakfast in bed. And here's I think we have to set the scene. It's it's very like I feel like very royal Tenenbaums, like just bizarre. They're in the upstairs of the main house. So Frankie and Irene, the brother and sister in law, live in the guest house. And then in the, on the second floor, I believe, of the main house, there's three bedrooms and they're all conjoined by doors. So you can go from one to the other. And the mom stays in the middle bedroom. The dad stays on one side, the other bedroom, and then Marvin stays on the, on the other side with the mom in the in the middle. Right. So it's like three bedrooms, which is just a bizarre. I'm like the doors all open to each other. So it's almost like one big bedroom. It seems like it's bizarre. But that also feels like I, I also should say that I live in a one bedroom apartment. So uh, I don't know much yeah. about lots of rooms. I should say that. <laughs> <laughs> with your mom and dad. Uh, yes. Yes, they are here. Yeah, I um, live in the trailer with my mom. <laughs> <laughs> so the daughter-in-law brings the mom breakfast, to which she says, "Oh, that's really sweet of you, but give it to Marvin Jr." She was like, "See if he wants it. I'm not hungry." And but then the dad had caught it, and they said the dad was standing in the hallway, glaring at his daughter-in-law for bringing the son food. Because he thought he should have been offered the breakfast. So his day is already off. He's got he's got a missing insurance document. Yeah. And uh, somebody offered his son some eggs instead of him. So his his the house is already out of control. Yeah. Yeah. So his his day is already off to a bad start. Family doesn't respect them. Someone's touching his stuff. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's it's not it's not going good. No, it's, uh, you, know, you know what? As I'm as we're doing this, Chip, I I might be Dave might be swaying me. <laughs> All right, maybe okay. Maybe, maybe this is like a twelve angry men situation right here. <laughs> I, I I hope throughout the course of this podcast, people are listening to this and they're like, "What's going on?" All right, guys, that's a joke. That's a Marvin Gaye joke. What's going on? So anyway, um, <laughs> the dad's having a rough day. You know, you're ha- you're having a bad day. Insurance uh, documents don't just up and disappear like somebody clearly moved it. Right. So Marvin's not having much better of a day either. No, it's not like it's not like he woke up shining, ready to go for a jog. He's, you know, in the throes of addiction. It can barely get out of bed is like aching uh, is just totally strung out. Not doing well at all. Irene comes in to bring him the breakfast and was just like she had to like prop him up, I think, to get him to to eat like he just wasn't wasn't in good shape at all. Right. So um, he uh, the the father now angry about breakfast resumes the insurance document argument and is screaming at the wife. Uh, and then I think what I read was Marvin came running out and dragged the dad into his bedroom and starts throwing punches at him. He's yeah. punching him and kicking him. Um, and that was uncalled for. Yeah. Well, right? well, there's we'll get into it in a minute. But um, so he's he's. You know, I'm I'm guessing, and, and they made it sound like it's the first time he ever raised his hand to his dad. 
you know, so yes. like, this has got to yeah. be 40 years of, of pent up anger and frustration. And he just mm-hmm. unleashes it and uh, punches and kicks his dad a bunch of times. His dad runs out of the room and then um, returns a few minutes later with the gun that Marvin bought him and shoots him once in the heart, like at point blank range, and then once in the shoulder, which Mm. seems unnecessary. Um, And then uh, within minutes, that was it. Marvin Gaye was was dead. Uh, The police came, the the father uh, hid the gun under the pillow which I don't know. I feel like most police are going to check under the pillow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like it wasn't. <laughs> what if what if the dad after that stashes the gun under the pillow and then that's where he finds the insurance papers? And he's like, oh, that's my face red. <laughs> But then, so and, and that's the crazy part. So, the paramedic. So they call nine one one. the The paramedics show up right away, but they don't go in the house. Did you read that part or see that part, Ken? Yeah, they won't go in the house because, um, yeah. What What do they say? So the the so apparently it's protocol. That's what because it, it said like they refused, but apparently it's protocol or was that paramedics won't go enter a building if the active shooter is still in there because you know they're unarmed or whatever so like if if the shooter and or the weapon is still in there they're not supposed to go in so like they're waiting there to go in for like almost 20 minutes i think yeah and marvin's still alive he's still actually uh, conscious uh but they can't they won't go in the, the the cops then show up and but it wasn't even the cops that found it it was i think irene the daughter-in-law goes in and I think it was the daughter-in-law, right? She goes in and talks to the dad because Frankie goes in to help Marvin and she goes in to talk to the dad and the dad's just sitting there on the edge of the bed, like just in a daze. And she's like, do you know where the gun is? And he just kind of puts his head down and she, I think she's the one that finds yeah, the gun. Yeah, she finds it and, under the pillow. And then she brings the gun out, I believe to like outside. And then that's when they enter the house. And right. that's where Marvin is sitting there Frankie, his brother's like holding him and like he's he's still conscious at this point. Right. Um, And then uh, but I think he's pronounced dead at the hospital just a few minutes later. Yeah. And then um, the crazy part thing he said, like, uh, apparently this is according to Frankie. He's like he I forget the exact quote, but he's like, I I I got them to do what I wanted or like I, I. He's like, I, I got what I wanted. Like people were saying he was suicidal for a while. Right. And that he almost it was almost like there's a theory that he provoked his dad to shoot him because he. Yes. Like, he, he yeah. Be around it. Yeah. There's that yeah. theory, like, you know how people suicide by cop, like he's suicided by dad. Yeah. And, and like, I mean, what I'm hearing is it sounds like Marvin. uh purchased a weapon illegally mm-hmm. and gifted it to a mentally unstable man that he clearly knew was unstable. Yeah. You know, gave, uh, gave it to as, a guy a that's threatened gift. to kill him many times. Yeah. 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 As a gift, which I mean, I don't know about you guys. I've never received a gun as a Christmas gift. And I, I, I don't know what kind of family they were, but if, 
Marvin had already given him a house, a gun is not really a gift. You know what I mean? It's, it's almost like a, like we, a couple of years ago, we were giving out houses. Now we're giving out gifts to the mentally insane. Like I, 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 I'm not going to give his dad any any medals here, but I, it, that sounded like he took someone out of here that was uh, the upper echelon of society. Like, this was the least amount of damage that gun could have done. Do you understand? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, imagine had his father, had, his sights been set on children. There was a park nearby, guys. Right. Yeah. Boy, that's fucking Dave's. I, I might be going the other way on this. Man, wow. Am I the lone holdout here? <laughs> and well, then the, you, you know, and interesting, and and, and Dave, uh, you said you didn't know a whole lot about this case specifically. Wait till you hear, I think we should get to this. So like M- Marvin Gaye is, is unfortunately pronounced dead uh, at the age of 44, almost 45 years old. Uh, 10,000 people come to his, uh, f- his uh, funeral. I think it was Little Richard and Stevie Wonder sing at his memorial service. And so the dad goes up on charges. He's charged with murder, I believe. But then first degree murder, first degree murder. But they plea it down to, I think, uh, was it first degree manslaughter? Manslaughter. Yeah, like some kind of manslaughter, some some kind of manslaughter. Yeah, Yeah, voluntary, voluntary manslaughter, I think. Uh, So how much time, Dave? do you think the dad received? For voluntary manslaughter, I'm going to say they gave him somewhere between 10 to 20, but he probably only served about six. Ken? Well, I know. I, I yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Lay it on him. They gave him a six, a five years, five, five years suspended sentence and five oh. years probation. Do I have that yeah. right? And and I think he spent like six weeks in custody total. I think that's what it, that's what it was. Now I think part of it they said that he was like seventy one years old or something at the time. I think he had like a brain tumor. He wasn't doing well. He was going to have this. so like I think that was part of the the leniency. But he uh, yeah yeah. And I mean the person that he shot was smoking crack in his home. Like it's. But it's like, but 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 it was really like Marvin Gaye paid for it, you know? Isn't it one of those like maybe my house, my rules kind of situation? Uh, yeah, like I when, guess like a tenant landlord situation. A tenant, the, the landlord does kind of have the right to let himself in and smoke crack if he falls on hard times. You're, you're yeah, right, I remember. And and I feel like the my house, my rules thing is more about like loud music or or taking your shoes off before you come inside. Like, I, I think that it's more of that vibe right there. Yeah. I, I wonder. I think, the, I think the no shooting thing is. is a, <laughs> no, I meant I meant I meant Marvin freebasing in the house. Like, that's my house. My rules. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah. 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 It holds up. It holds, I mean, I'm just seeing. It sounds to me like Marvin Gaye Sr. was a victim. Uh, of 40 some odd years of his son just really, really testing his patience. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, just, you want to talk about not getting your act together. I mean. (laughs) Yeah, right? Like just 20 something years of putting out that devil's music. Yeah. (laughs) 
Um, oh man, Marvin Gaye. And Jesus then the, the, God the bless the dead. I'm so sorry. I'm, I have a dark personality. <laughs> <laughs> no, maybe this is a new angle we can do. Like we can maybe like next week we can do one where we like talk about Mark David Chapman was the good guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or like, or Brian Jones's swimming pool like got a bad rap. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and but then the dad also does that super gangster move where where uh, when he's done killing his kid, he goes out and sits on the porch and waits for the police. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. He's just there waiting for him. Because like, you know you fucked up. Yeah, you knew you fucked up. You know, uh, with the first gunshot, I guess the second one was just kind of like, yeah, well, you know, you might as well. But you know it was over. You know it was over. And that's the crazy yeah. thing. He thought it was over. He he surrendered to it. And it, the, truly a man of God. God had him back. God got him out of that. God delivered that. Wow. Won't he testify? Jesus Christ. Is Marvin Gaye <laughs> Sr. still alive? Nah, he, he, I think he died in, way in the 90s. 98, I believe. 1998. 98. Yeah. Wow. So I think he was, I think he was up in his 80s at the time, like 84 or something like that. I mean, that is a guy just listening to his story. I could probably get behind his church. You know what I mean? Like that's a guy <laughs> who God has clearly taken him to some low places and brought him back, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, he lived out, I think lived out the rest of his life in long beach. I think that's where, yeah. well, you know, it's weird. He, like- he did the ultimate sacrifice. He was asked to sacrifice his son. He did it. He was rewarded. Um, I, you almost wonder if like, like Marvin Gaye did that, like uh, everybody's going to get what they like. He, he like he's getting put out of his misery and he's getting his mom because after his dad killed his mom, I mean, after his dad uh, killed Marvin Gaye, uh, Marvin Gaye's mom bailed him out, but then divorced him. She was like, all right, like that's like murdering one of our kids is too far and it's sleeping in separate bedrooms isn't enough. I think it's time we get divorced. (laughs) And so I wonder if it was like Marvin's way of almost being like, you know, two birds, one stone. I, I'm, I'm, I get put out of my misery and I know that my mom will finally be safe. Yeah. Or and maybe she had those those insurance papers were probably his life insurance. Was, she cashed them off. <laughs> <that was again. laughs> they, they knew what they were going to do. Marvin was going to die, but the key was make sure Daddy gets none of that money. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I don't. You know, I don't even know. It's where there wasn't much detail on it, but I don't even know how much money there was even to go around at that point because. He owed the government so much in taxes and, and they were starting to chip away at everything. So mm-hmm. I don't know. You know, you know what gets a bad rap here though? It's just I just hate seeing all this gay on gay violence. <laughs> and Ken Krantz, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> uh well, and that is an interesting thing too. So uh, appar- apparently when Marvin was a little kid there, you know, cause his, apparently his dad would, would come off very effeminate. Obviously, you know, they said he was cross-dressed and everything, but people, other kids would make fun of Marvin and his brothers and sisters. Cause they would say his dad's gay. And then his last name is, is of course gay. Marvin actually added the E 
to the end of his name when he started his music career because right. he wanted to distance himself from his dad and from the uh, from the name calling. Right. But it's weird that he just left his name gay, you know, like he was yeah. like, oh, I don't want people to think I'm gay, so I'm going to change my name to gay. And Marvin Strait would have been a great name. Right. <laughs> yeah. Marvin Bangs Ladies. Something like that. <laughs> Oh, is that Scottish? Sounds like a nice, yeah. <laughs> but he also said that he did it because um, Sam Cooke added the E at the end of his name. Because yeah. mm -hmm. I guess he didn't want people to think he was really a cook. Like he, he wanted cook. to be yeah. taken seriously. No, but typically that's usually the black version. So anytime when there's like a name like uh, Cook, Green, Gay, with the E on the end is usually the black. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Well, that really. Uh... <laughs> I think we're I think we're learning today. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know. Even Willie. Do you guys know you you guys when you think Willie, white guys usually spell it W I L L Y, right? Uh, right. Yeah. I E is the yeah, black but, way. I E. Yeah. Black guys will go L L I E. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I wonder where that like originally stems from. That okay, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think it's to do. It has something to do with the Irish, like just the distinction between the Irish and the Black Irish. Okay. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I didn't realize that. Yeah, the that Black Irish put the e at the end of potato. Yeah, that was Dan Quayle. <laughs> oh, that's who I'm thinking of. <laughs> Which well, I think brings uh, us to our to our next week's topic, which is uh, if we can tease it, is Dan Quayle's grunge band that we're going to be doing next week, which a lot of people don't know about, which I think is really a, a it, you know, it's a it's a really good 90s. Uh, they put out a couple great albums in the mid 90s. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, that'll be fun. I wasn't aware of that. What do you think Dan Quayle's grunge band's name would be? Um, oh, that's a good question. Like the vice yeah. something dorky. Yeah. Like, yeah. If you're listening, uh, tweet at us at rock and roll pod and tell us the name of Dan Quayle's grunge band from the nineties. What would it be? Like the vice cakes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, Dave, thank you so much for um, coming on. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think the jury's still out. Literally, I, I I don't I don't know how to feel. I don't know how to feel. Eye-opening experience. I think it was. But, uh, by, by the way, before we go, Dave, uh, what do you do? Are you out there doing a lot of shows? And where can people where can people find you? Uh, DaveTempleComedy.com is the website. Um, yeah, I'm doing a lot of shows now. So I have a podcast, uh, two podcasts actually. No need for apologies that I do with Derek Gaines on Gas Digital. And then unpopular opinions that I do with Conrad Roth and subscribe to Rondo is also available on YouTube. Uh, road dates are out there. I'm traveling with both shows as well as independently. So you can see all of my show dates on DaveTempleComedy.com. And follow me on all platforms at I'm Dave Temple, uh, where, where it really matters on all platforms. You know? Yeah, that's great. Well, dude, thank you so much for doing this. It was so good to talk to you. Yeah, I hope you had fun. Yeah, man. Yeah, this was hilarious. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, good. Um, Chip, what do you got coming up? Uh, if if you're listening to this, uh, September 16th, I'm going to be at Soul Joel's uh, 
outdoor comedy dome. Go to soldiers.com for that. And just follow me at Chip Chantry on everything. Ken? Um, I am, uh, I will be at the Stress Factory in New Brunswick, New Jersey, September 23rd through the 25th with Orny Adams. And then, um, wait, I just got to look at the date. And then September 30th, Comedy Shop in East Rutherford, New Jersey, Paisano's. Uh, I'm uh, closing the show. That show always sells out and the food's amazing. So um, if you're in the area, go to that. Can we come to the show for the food and not see you? I That's how. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's how I okay. prefer it. Okay. I sometimes I show up and eat and I'm like, that's like, do we have to go on with the show? <laughs> um, yeah. And tweet us at at rock and with the end spelled out rock and roll pod. Uh, we will be back. We have some we have some uh, like big name guests coming in. Um, so there, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff coming up that we think you guys are going to enjoy. And uh, we'll see you next week. This concludes our series on uh, true crime. All right. <laughs> there we go. We did it. We did it. Dude, D- Dave, thanks so much for doing this, man. Yeah, thank you, guys. This was fun. I had a good time. All right. Good. All right, we'll see you All next right, week. See you guys later, man. Yeah. All right, man. I'll see you. Thanks again.